Good evening, everyone. Thank you very much for coming. We're discussing Srila Jiva Goswami's Satsandarbhas. We're finishing his Bhagavat Sandarbha, the second of the six Sandarbhas, wherein this second Sandarbha has established pretty conclusively using the Srimad Bhagavatam as its primary evidence and other transcendental <clears throat> shastras that Bhagavan Sri Krishna is the most complete conception of the supreme absolute truth that's available according to Shastra. So here at the end, in this 93rd Anucheta, which we will finish up this evening, Srila Jiva Goswami is going beyond utilization of the Srimad Bhagavatam as his primary praman and utilizing the praman that's generally accepted as most significant. Praman means source of evidence. So it's not that the other transcendentalists do not also accept the Veda, but they accept different portions of the Veda or a different presentation or well, in this particular instance, when we talk about the Advaitins and the Gyanis, their primary evidence is not Srimad Bhagavatam as the Gaudias. Their primary evidence is the Upanishads, the Vedanta Sutra, and the Bhagavad Gita. So Jiva Goswami says, well, that's fine. We'll use that as evidence. <laughs> no problem. I can come up to the, I can prove the same conclusion by using what you accept as the conclusive truth regarding transcendental knowledge. Because I realize not everyone is going to accept the Srimad Bhagavatam, which is really the mature commentary and which all the other Puranas point to and which lights the way for all true transcendentalists. But still, you may not accept that. Now, I realize I gave in the beginning of my Sandarvas and the Taka Sandarva sufficient evidence that you should, beyond what anyone would think would be a reasonable doubt, but still in my audience there may be doubters. So, let, let no one doubt that Bhagavan is the topmost manifestation of the supreme absolute truth. So all you out there that are kind of leaning towards the Brahman conception, let's let's deal with that. So I mean he's doing a great service to these other transcendentalists, and we should see it as such even though he's pounding the post and we're kind of already convinced before we even came, went down this road with him that, you know, Krishna's sweeter than the sweetest and uh, the most ideal conception of the supreme reality of, of uh, transcendental existence. 
still, we're thrilled that he's taken the time and the trouble to dissipate any doubts there may be regarding Vedanti Tattvavidas verse of the Srimad Bhagavatam, that the Lord manifests accordingly, according to the worship, according to the way he's approached. He's not going to be hung up if if you want to if you want to look at him as as Brahman, there's certainly from his instruction to Arjuna, from his Gita Upanishad, he makes it pretty pretty clear. Uh, Brahma Bhuta Prasanatma, once you come to this understanding, then you know, Manmana Bhavabad Bhakto, you surrender unto me. This is the topmost. I'm the topmost conception. So we'll continue kind of reading through a little of this. We're at the very end of this 93rd Anucheta where he's dealing with the other evidence. Now he's already presented in the first half of the Anucheta the Upanishads and the Vedanta Sutra and the Bhagavad Gita as primary evidence. And then he goes on to utilize a verse from the 10th canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam spoken by the Vedas personified to arrive at the very same conclusion. So his Anacheta continues from where we left off last discussion. Indeed, Brahman is Bhagavan's own feature but as yet unqualified and is experienced as if different from Bhagavan. Well, the experience is different. Um, who is replete with internal potency and is situated in Vaikuntha. In this way, although Brahman has no tactility, can't, can't put your hands on... <laughs> on Brahman, or form owing to being without attributes, by regarding it metaphorically as the effulgence of the Lord, Brahman is indicated as being non-different from him. Because the original and complete Bhagavan is inherently self-endowed with mellifluous attributes, because the original and complete Bhagavan is inherently self-endowed with mellifluous attributes, attributes that hold together nicely, such as touch and form, the glow of his bodily limbs is even more appropriately indicated as Brahman. By way of example, in the Maha Kalapura narration of the Hari Vamsa Purana, Sri Krishna tells Arjuna, in this section, uh, this is the whole Leela of, uh, I guess they were in Dwarka, the Brahmana who lost his mm -hmm. sons. It was Dwarka, correct? Mm -hmm. So Arjuna was there at that time. So it was a Brahma living in Dwarka, which ha was having trouble with the administration. In other words, he wanted to know why the 
here I am in Dwarka, and wow, this is this is a great place to be. But every year my wife gives birth to a, a child, and the child is taken away by death repeatedly. What kind of an administration? There must be some fault in the administration of such a you know such a place as this if if the children can't even live that death can come and take them you know after birth so arjuna said arjuna came forward and said well you're right i take responsibility i will be there at the next childbirth and we will defend there will be no more loss of your children and sure enough they lost the next child so Arjuna's reputation was destroyed because he promised and he's a Kshatri and a Kshatri who makes a promise and then can't keep it it's it's not very good for him so um, so Krishna came to Arjuna's aid and said well Let's take a little ride, <laughs> jump on my chariot, and we'll we'll go and we'll deal with the situation. So they had to go. They went into the Brahman, and then they went to the abode of of uh, Karna Dakshai Vishnu. This is Krishna's expansion, and. Uh, they uh, they retrieved the son, sons, more than one son. They were all there. Vishnu just wanted to see Krishna. Like, wow, you come into into a universe that's come come forth from my pores, and uh, you know, you didn't even stop by and say hi. <laughs> Not like, you know. <laughs> the reason I say it that way, as we notice in the in the, uh, the Brihat Bhagavatamrita, that uh, Gopakumar was in the uh, abode of liberation, and uh, everybody stopped and stopped and said hi to him. <laughs> Lord Shiva was coming down, and he stopped, and you know, then these Vaikuntavasis came down, and they stopped, and you know, introduced themselves, and gave him some instruction. To, so, you know, but here's Krishna's coming down through, you know, from the transcendental abode, from the Vaikuntha abode, and coming into the material realm, and he doesn't even say hi to Vishnu. <laughs> so Vishnu was like, well, I'd still like to see him, and he devised a plan. <laughs> Couldn't really... Um, so... They visited and and but in going there, they went through Brahman. So this verse is there there uh, describing the experience. Arjuna had the experience of going through Brahman, and Krishna is explaining this is what you experienced to him. O best of the bards. 
The transcendental supreme Brahman effulgence that you witnessed is me. It is my eternal effulgence. It is my transcendental, eternal, manifest and unmanifest nature. Entering into it, the grand masters of yoga attain liberation. O Partha, it is the supreme destination for those who adhere to the path of Sankhya and for the yogis and aesthetics as well. That supreme Brahman is distinct from the material creation. O Bharat, you should know me to be the dense form of that effulgence. Harivamsa Purana. I said Padma Purana, it's Harivamsa Purana. Um, I'm the dense form. It's interesting that that is the, uh, the word used in the uh, English translation here. In these verses, by specifying Prakriti nature as the glow of his own form, Krishna indicates that Prakriti here refers to his internal potency, Swarup Shakti. Similarly, the statement cited earlier from Vishnu Purana regarding this Kastuba gem should be understood as fortifying the same conclusions. So the explanation of the Bhagavatam verse 10.87.17 has been shown as appropriate. Appropriate to the discussion at hand. Appropriate to, under, to the explanation that Jiva's given in this Anucheta that Bhagavan is the topmost manifestation of the Supreme Absolute Truth. A little commentary here. We won't go through it all, but a couple points bear mentioning. After introducing the key issues involved in the Tatatriya Upanishad passage, remember that was the Upanishad about the tail, the tail being the support, the support being a, metaf a metaphor for actually the Bhagavan conception being topmost. Um, after introducing the key issues involved in the Tatatriya Upanishad, Jiva, Sri Jiva turns to the primary Bhagavatam verse of this section taken from the prayers of personified Vedas or Shrutis. Each of the verses from this important chapter of the Bhagavatam is based on some portion of the Shruti either the Upanishads or Veda Samhitas. It is thus truly a direct commentary on the Vedanta. So here's another commentary for us on Vedanta. We have the Vedanta Sutra. Now we have this commentary in the Bhagavatam itself. It's kind of nice that you have a one-book-fits-all, you know, everything you need a solution to spiritual understanding in the Srimad Bhagavatam. You don't need to go outside of the Bhagavatam, except when the Bhagavatam tells you to go outside, and then that's a good idea. It is uh, the verse cited here is similarly 
a commentary on the Tathatriya passage and must be analyzed in its light. In this verse, the Shrutis recognize Sri Krishna as the Ashraya Tattva, the supreme shelter of all, including Brahman. In this way, from the statements of the Upanishads, Vedanta Sutra, Bhagavad Gita, the prayers of the personified Upanishads, and the Puranas, it has been shown in this one Anucheta that Brahman is the qualityless feature of Bhagavan because it is Because it is a feature of Bhagavan, it is sometimes called his portion, his energy, or his effulgence. But it's it's him. And that now we're going to go on to the next Anucheta. Um, those who worship the Absolute as Brahman realize that it realize it by the mercy of Bhagavan. Again, we come back to the same concept, which it bears repeating. You, even the Brahmavadis, those that look on the supreme revelation of absolute truth as Brahman, they require a pinch of devotion. The mercy of without the mercy of Krishna, Bhagavan, there is no attaining Brahman revelation. And the hope and truly the intent of the Vaishnav community who know the sweetness of Bhagavan is that in that merciful dispensation they will realize the giver is more important than the gift. That Bhagavan, that Krishna, who is giving you that revelation of Brahman that you have strived for through Gyan, through yoga, through all your austerities, he is giving you this and he is more important than the goal that you seek. Najadam Najanam Nasundarim Kavitram Va Jagadishakamahe. I don't want I don't need liberation. If I know the giver of liberation, I've got the gift and more. Going on to the ninety fourth Aducheda. The primary meaning of the word Brahma is Bhagavan. Brahma meaning Brahman, Brahma. <clears throat> now this section, remember section means Anucheta. So this section of Jiva Goswami's presentation. This section is rooted in the understanding that the one absolute is perceived differently in accordance with the consciousness of the perceiver. Its central verse is given at its conclusion. 
I've kind of turned around. We're reading from the commentary here first. We're not reading directly from the Anucheta because we might as well come quickly to the point. It's a point that's been made repeatedly in our discussions of earlier Anuchetas by Srila Jiva Goswami. So the primary conclusion of this particular presentation of spiritual truth, of tattva, as embodied in this Anucheta, is the verse from the 10th canto of the Bhagavatam that describes the entrance of Krishna into the wrestling arena. As Krishna entered the arena with his elder brother Balaram, he was recognized differently by each observer. The wrestlers saw him as a bolt of lightning. The ordinary men folk saw him as the best of men, while the women saw him as Cupid personified. The cowherds thought of him as a relative, while the evil kings saw him as their punisher and his parents as their child. King Kamsa recognized him as death, while the great I'm sorry, while the ignorant thought of him as something great. The yogis perceived him as the absolute truth, and the Vrishnis as their worshipful deity. It's interesting. The cowherds, the residents of Raj, saw Krishna as what? As his relative. The Vrishnis, who lived with Krishna as his family members, who were his relatives, saw him as... Yeah. It's interesting that in the verse, this is it comes out, right? His actual family members. So, who, who's really his family members? His most intimate family members, as expounded in this verse. This is also a very long Anucheta. We won't read the whole thing. We've just read the the heart of what Jiva's trying to put forth in this 94th Anucheta. And of course he uses a lot of evidence here uh, from a lot of different sources to uh, bring the point home. So we'll kind of just go through a little bit of it. Jiva's Anucheta opens as, therefore the primary intent of the word Brahma applies to Bhagavan alone, who is supremely great and whose generic existence, which is his body, bodily glow, is also called Brahman. Because of its greatness, this is confirmed in Brahma Purana. Now there's one section in this that uh, is a little interesting. Because the Lord, this is from the Padma Purana, because the Lord has immeasurable attributes, it is not possible to delineate all of them separately. Therefore, they are collectively indicated by the word Brahma. Thus, the word Brahma can be an adjective for the all-pervading Sri Vishnu alone and no other, as he alone has unlimited qualities. 
This, then, is the essential meaning of this lengthy subject. Bhagavat Sandarbha. This is the essential meaning of my whole Sandarbha here that I've presented to you. As a whole, it is said that those who have directly witnessed absolute reality, tattva vida, those who observe vidanti tattva vida, declare that non-dual awareness is verily the absolute reality. When this non-dual truth is realized without attributes, it is called Brahman. But when realized with attributes, it is called Bhagavan. Moreover, this Bhagavan is certainly non-different from his form, which is naturally endowed with the attributes described earlier. He is not formless. I want to touch upon one aspect. One aspect of this particular Anucheta is the use of a verse from the uh, Vishnu Purana uh, regarding the absolute absolute reality and the way, just like in the verse that this Anucheta closes with regarding Krishna entering the wrestling arena, which deals with the way various transcendentalists, according to their method of worship and their level of advancement in spiritual realization, uh, perceive the absolute truth. And some of the terminology here helps us understand that. So there's four terminologies here using uh, words that refer to the absolute truth. Paramurta is the transcendental absolute. Paramurta. Murta means form and para transcendental. The transcendental absolute replete with transcendental form such as Sri Krishna and his plenary expansions. So when we hear this this wording paramorta it means that the lord has form now the different worshipers that realize these different viewpoints of the supreme will be discussed here a little bit a paramorta the phenomenal absolute or in other words the absolute appearing as the cosmos having a conceptualized form such as the universal form, Vishvarupa, a paramorta. So a second terminology. So paramorta, the supreme, has a transcendental form. That's transcendental. A paramorta, the supreme has a form, but it's based on what's not permanent. It's a form based on the impermanent or the material manifestation, commonly known to known as the universal form, uh, Visvarupa. Para amorta. Okay, para, again transcendental, eternally existing, amorta without a form. 
transcendental attribute devoid of form. Amorta. Makes sense. Brahman. Apara Amorta. Okay, the fourth. The imminent absolute. Now this one gets a little tricky and Jiva does explain according to Sridhar Swami the way to understand this one. But Apara Morta. Apara Amorta. Okay. It's Apara. It's not eternally existing. And Amorta. It's without form. The imminent absolute who is without visible form. Still the absolute without a visible form. No morti. No morti. Whose form is imperceptible due to imminence. It's everywhere. But it's form. It, it is personality. I guess is what we need to say. Now, Shridhar, we're going to read Sridhar's commentary on this. Uh, this refers to the form of the Lord as Isfara, the indwelling supreme self who is the ground and source of creation, basically Paramatma. So this explanation is given by the great commentary Sridhar Swami. The fourth category is Apara Amurta. And this manifestation refers to Paramatma. Truly speaking, Paramatma or Ishvara is not Amurta or formless. So in essence, the nomenclature doesn't quite fit, but it does because there's no can you feel tactility. tactility? So it applies. <clears throat> Rather, his form as the indwelling self remains unseen due to his quality of imminence. Super soul is everywhere. He's in every everyone. He's in every you know. He pervades all of existence. Here, a par does not mean inferior, phenomenal, or conceptualized. This is again coming from Sridhar Swami. As in the case of a paramorta, the Vishvarupa. There's a difference between the two. It's an important difference to understand. Rather, it implies a form other than the form of Bhagavan. Napara iti apara. This later phrase should also be rendered imminence is that which is other than transcendence. Technical, again, we get into the technicalities used to understand transcendence and the use of language in order to convey transcendence. So imminence is that which is other than transcendence, imminent, fully manifest everywhere, but not, but within the material realm, not transcendent, is the point, Sridhar Swami. 
Moreover, the word amorti, formless, does not mean formless. <laughs> as in the case of para amorta, but a form which is similar to and leads to the supreme form, like paramatma, i.e. Bhagavan, the na prefix is applied not only in the sense of negation, but in uh, six senses, as is stated. Then we get into a little bit of a logistic explanation which may put us all to sleep, uh, but at least definitely the speaker. So I'm going to kind of skip over that. So we'll go back to the Anacheta itself. This is, we're now going past uh, Sridhar Swami's comments. Therefore, if those who accept the four features of the Lord described in the verse from Vishnu Purana, basically we didn't get into the verse, but we've got into the What's the, what is said in the verse? These four aspects are, are presented. O king. Oh, wait, here is the verse in English. I went from the commentary in my notes. I copied the commentary into the Anucheta and presented the class based on cutting and pasting the commentary into the middle of the Anucheta so I could deliver it in a, a way that I could follow it. <laughs> so I don't know. Therefore, but it's at the beginning of the 94th Anucheta. Uh, at the very beginning, actually. Gotcha. Therefore, if those who accept the four features of the Lord described in the verse from Vishnu Purana... O king, the absolute is both formless, amorta, and inclusive of form, morta, both transcendental, para, and imminent, apara. Few obliged to categorize his formlessness as a separate class, then let that distinction be understood specifically as befitting the worshiper's level of vision. Just as the absolute is perceived as Brahman solely in accordance with the limitations of the viewing capacity. Again, according to according to our good fortune, <laughs> brought about by good association, we will develop a an understanding of what is the supreme transcendence. Bhakti is truly causeless. Otherwise, and it has to, it can't, we come back to the teachings as presented in Madhurya Kadambani of Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur, where there's this discussion regarding the fact that Bhakti is causeless. And it comes through the mercy of the Bhakta, the devotee. Otherwise, the Lord could be considered partial, giving some preference to one jiva over another jiva. But Krishna is always trying to, to put forth this personal conception. So as we said a little bit earlier, it's good to see him 
in that light because even for those that study Sankhya, that engage in yoga, that perform austerities, that are great jnanis, they all have a tendency to go towards the Advaitin conception of Brahmavad, Brahmananda, Brahman. And he set up a system that there has to be a little devotion even to attain that. You would think that the system would, that nothing happens by chance, that there's some final opportunity in that. Well, Dulal, you're just speculating. Krishna has this intent. Well, let's look to the Bhagavatam. Is there any places in the Bhagavatam where by the mercy of the Bhakta, the Brahmavadi becomes a devotee. Yes, there are. And we know who gave the mercy, the Bhakta that gave the mercy in regards to Sukadev Goswami and the Kumars, and we know the result. Any questions on what we discussed this evening? Thank you so much for your association. Thank you.